if that site was to go down, then that the actual money value on that, because you're not selling products. And if the site is down for you know a day or a couple of hours and you've lost X amount of pounds or dollars or whatever, you know, because that is down. If you'd have invested some of that time up front into writing things like tests, then that would have would have stopped that problem. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Oliver Davies, software developer and consultant with 16 years of professional Drupal development experience including working on Drupal.org for the Drupal Association and being an Acquia Triple Certified Drupal Expert. In today's episode, we'll discuss making the business case for test-driven software development and automated software testing. And Oliver, welcome to the show. It's great having you here and it's great to discuss this with you. Before we jump into our conversation, would you like to add anything to the intro? Hi. Uh, no, not at the point. I was really excited to be on a podcast again. It's been a little while since I did since I did a podcast last, but this is one of my favorite topics to speak about, but automated testing and, and TDD. So I'm interested to give it a bit more of a business focus rather than a technical focus for, for this podcast. Yeah, I, I think that the, the business side will be very interesting for a lot of our listeners, especially like with the rise uh, in the need for software development because of, you know, the prevalence of digital experiences and, and kind of this acceleration in digital transformation. So definitely an important topic to discuss with you, Oliver. And so the first thing that we need to clear up is what is test-driven development and what is automated testing? Okay, so they're not the same thing, first of all. Um, they do tend to get used interchangeably, um, maybe more so for the developer audience or, or by developers who tend to yeah, consider them to be the same thing, but they're quite different. So what usually I find happens with testing is uh, with my developer hat on, we'll get requirements for a feature or, or a bug fix. We then go in, write the code, make it work. We'll might test it by testing in a browser, by reloading a page, resubmitting a form, doing this, these tasks manually, uh, or maybe running like a drush command or some sort of console command to make the thing work. Once we're happy that it's working, we'll then merge the code or submit it for a review and it will get tested manually, usually by somebody, either by another developer, or if you've got a QA team, or maybe by the client themselves, but it's, it's done that to manual testing step. And then they'll say, yes, it's good. Hopefully they'll say, yes, it's good to go. <laughs> and then it goes into production. The problem with that is you only test that feature at that time. Mm -hmm. So when you move on to the next feature, you don't test the old feature again. And when you're maybe six months or 12 months into a project, you don't test the same features you wrote right at the beginning again. You're only ever testing what the most recent changes. So there's, that's fundamentally the problem, manual testing. Whereas with automated testing, we're writing code that tests our code. It's probably the best way of putting it. So developers will usually do this sort of anyway by doing uh, like var dumps or console logs to sort of output their text onto a page or do those sorts of comparisons. But we can use actual testing frameworks in languages like PHP and, and Drupal and also things like JavaScript to do that comparison for us. And we can run them whenever we want. So as long as we've got, uh, once we've built up a test suite, maybe we run the whole test suite before you do any deployments to live. So you get that repeatability that you wouldn't get with normal manual testing. 
Test-driven development is a bit different. So it's the action of running, writing the test before you write any code. So you're writing, which is going to be a bit odd, Stephanie, to begin with. But yeah, just you don't need to do TDD to do testing. It's quite common for people to sort of write the code first and then maybe write the test afterwards. There's pros and cons to that. It's how I started. I was <laughs> working at an agency and I was writing some code for a feature during the day whilst I was on sort of, quote, company time. And then I was writing tests for the code in the evening on my own time because I was I was learning and didn't want to affect estimates or anything. So, but then I found a bug in something I'd written during the day, and mm -hmm. uh, I was able to fix it very quickly. So it didn't need to go for review and submitted a QA and then get a bike. I could fix it then and not have to go through the whole process again. So I was I was hooked on it at that point. <laughs> so I can't really work with it without testing these days. But. That's the main advantage is that repeatability that you can run the whole test suite at any time and check things still work as you expect. So, so is this something that engineers and developers can can point to when they try to convince leadership or, or like higher-ups or just non-developers at a business that automated testing in TDD is something that's really valuable to the business and will have a positive long-term impact or ROI? Definitely. And I think especially for longer projects, you know, the, you, you're going to want that repeatability and you go on to things still work and you're not breaking feature A by writing feature B or breaking A and B by writing X, you know, if it's a longer project. So maybe you've got a, just a small little microsite with three pages then you can do that through some Drupal's admin UI and kind of, so then you're not going to get much benefit. But for bigger, more complex projects, we've got lots of custom modules and things that's definitely going to be be beneficial it, it takes time to get good at it and it takes time to write them to begin with but the time saved overall is, is a big because you're not spending that time bug fixing you're not spending that time redoing tickets from three sprints ago you're not upsetting your sort of future sprint planning mm -hmm. by having to re redo tickets again that you did previously and you're getting a, a better sort of reputation with a client because you're not shipping bugs to production they're getting a better product and a better application at the end of the day. This is definitely something that business users at a company or more, more business people at a company should also care deeply about. It's not just something that, you know, we leave this to the developers and it's kind of in their domain. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's interesting sort of lines to, to draw. So I've worked on teams, both with some agencies and in-house teams. And developers are sort of waiting to be told that they can do tests or they just ask that they can do tests. And the other side is that as a developer, like I'm sort of expected to make sure my things work anyway, um, whether that's automated way or a manual way, company or, or the management just want to know that things are working, right? So it's, it's just, it's more for me how I would validate it in that way. Like if you take your car to a garage, you, you'd expect them to road test it to make sure it still works. And the other one I've heard people say is you wouldn't expect a surgeon to ask permission to wash their hands. You know, it's just part of the job before they, before they do the thing. So it's not it's not a line item as such. You don't need to give a separate estimate for testing um, or TDD. I would just include it as part of the task personally. But it's definitely something to be aware of and. Yeah, by doing it, then you know, management or uh, clients should see better software with fewer bugs at the end of it. I've definitely worked on projects we've started with tests and then we sort of stopped for some reason and then the number of bugs went up. <laughs> After a while, we said, okay, we'll start writing tests again. 
So I, I've seen it sort of happening from, from both ways. But it's it's not something that's done everywhere. And it's, as much as you can go to conferences and see people speaking and saying everybody's writing tests, right? Wink. You know, it's like it's it's common in some communities and, and more common maybe with some languages, but it's definitely not done by every developer on every project, or you should be more so. I'm saying this from a Cumbi perspective, but it also works from an open source perspective as well. So I maintain quite a few Drupal modules. The most popular one is probably override options module. It's well, I think it's just checked it and it's about 38,000 sites at the moment. So I want to make sure that I don't break 38,000 websites when I do an, when I do an update. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, again, me knowing that things work as expected. And I guess in that case, the community is the customer in that case. You know, we're not shipping bugs to everybody and their and their clients as well. It's about confidence in there. Are we, are we confident that the, the code does what we think it does and testing is the, is the way of doing that or a way of doing that. So does automated testing make it longer to deliver a project or is the up, upfront investment then kind of balanced out with the time saved by not having to do that many bug fixes and stuff like that? Yeah, I think key would be to an investment and it definitely is a time investment, particularly if you're learning. You know, you're going to need to learn how to write tests, maybe to begin with. Some people have never written tests before. And I did a workshop for Drupal Camp London just before COVID. And that was very much a, let's start people writing tests because they, you know, they hadn't written them before. And we were just going to, like, we were testing Drupal core functionality, actually, just going there to begin with. Like, go to the uh, admin page, an anonymous user, and you should get a 403 response. So it's, it's forbidden rather than the, uh, the page exists. And you could see people that like, the, the switch starting to flick in their brain as they were starting to write these tests mm -hmm. and seeing what they did. So it's definitely an investment. That said, once you get into the, the hang of it and you know what you're testing and you get good at it, it's, you probably will save time because you're not always writing a bit of code. Writing a bit of code, stopping, thinking about the next bit, stopping, writing some more code. Like you write the test and you're letting, you're deferring the thinking to the test almost because you, you've written the test. And then you're just following what the errors say and what the, especially if you're doing, if, if you're doing TDD, so you have to test first, you start with a test that is failing. So I want to go to this page and say, we should get this response or this page should exist and we should see this bit of text on it. So I don't need, now I've written the test. It tells me there's an error. So the, the response code might be wrong. So we're, we're expecting a 200 okay response code so the page exists, but we're getting a 404, the page doesn't exist. So it tells me what to do next. And I go, oh, I need to change the, the code, so I'll make, make the page, or it's missing that bit of text. So it's, the tests are telling me what to do. I can go through these things very quickly once you get used to that process. And yeah, I think the other part, I think I mentioned it, and, and you just mentioned it as well, is that once you've got those tests in place, then you're not going to get that progression of features. You're not going to get tickets back from QA. You're not going to get tickets back from a client that says, this is broken. Or if you do, then it's a really good thing to have to say things should still be working. I had a, a situation a couple of years ago on a project. It was, when you think back, it was a while ago. There was a system they were putting job adverts into. It was a third-party system that sent the data to the website, and they wanted these jobs to display on the website, even though they were in a different system. So we built a pay, like a, a, an endpoint, so they could go to slash something. We gave them a URL to, to send this data to when they made a new job. And then we said, okay, well, if we get the data in this format and with these values, it will make a job 
on the on the page and the jobs would be published and there were other things about it's only valid for x number of days and it would unpublish after a certain number of days and things as well but at, at some point like we we did the test for this they were all passing feature was deployed probably a few months later they came back and said it's broken and we said well we haven't changed it and it's it's still fine and we, but we weren't completely sure that we hadn't broken it, but we had tests. So we could run the tests for that module and go, they're still passing. So as long as we're getting the data in the format we expect, it should work because the tests tell us that this, this should work. And what had happened is the first system they would put the job ad in to do had broken something on their side. So they weren't sending us data in the right format anymore. So it was a really nice clear line just to sort mm -hmm. of say, if it's this side of the line, it's us. If it's that side of the line, it's this person. So in that case, it really like shortened our debugging time because we were able to just give them the thing and say, this is how it should work. <laughs> and you need to send us this. And they said, oh, actually, yeah, we've, uh, we've broken that. <laughs> so yeah, there, there might be this perception that it takes longer to do tests, with, with, to do a project with tests or with TVD, which is probably true in some cases, especially for Anything takes time to learn, I guess, to begin with testing or, or anything else. But the advantage is over the long term, especially like so at the moment I work on an in-house team. So I don't we don't get to the end of a project, hand it over to a client, and then move on to the next thing. We're potentially supporting this this project for years still to come. So for us it's very valuable to make sure that we know things are still working over the long term and not just over the short term. Well, what about in the context of working on projects for a client? How do you mm -hmm. like communicate with them? Uh, how do you get approval from them to spend a certain amount of time and probably a certain amount of the budget writing tests? Mm -hmm. Do they even need to know the complete workflow? What's your take on this? It can be a tricky one because I won't go too much into the pricing side of things, but sometimes it tends to be an issue where you know, a lot of agencies have done by billing hourly or daily so you need to be careful about what time you're spending and what how much you're spending on where and you've got to give estimates for everything so as soon as you sort of say well this ticket will take me a day to do but it'll take me another two days to write the tests what always then happens is people say well don't write the test then and don't <laughs> and, and save the time it tells you what happens a lot yeah, this is what I said earlier on. It's not a line item that you need to, to add or, or test. So if somebody asked me for an estimate to do a task, they would just get one estimate, which includes the testing to do it. I wouldn't break it down for them in, in that way. Somebody actually said, I saw <laughs> posted one of my emails and then somebody had sent this to a client and the client asked them not to, to do it. And they were playing with the idea of charging them more to not write the test, which I thought was an interesting idea. Because <laughs> then it's like, where does the risk go? So like, and how much more would I want to get paid knowing I'm going to have to fix all these bugs and, and everything else? So it's definitely a good thing for management or from like an agency perspective or clients to know that they're there. But yeah, it's, uh, again, like you, you say, you wouldn't, if, if I took my car to a garage, you'd expect them to road test it and you'd expect them to know it was there and all working when they give it back, how they do that. You, maybe so don't know and there are people that sort of said you, you, you like a quote real developer if you don't write tests or, or professional developer if you don't write tests so I, I, it's not that black and white definitely but it's it's definitely once you start and you've got that sort of safety net and that confidence that things work because you've got the test there and you can go in and you can do a Drupal eight to nine or an eight to 10 or nine to 10 upgrade, or you can do a, a big refactor of that giant control that you've got in that, that big bit of code in your, 
you know, people won't ever go, like, once you've written that feature, there's always things like, oh, we'll go back and we'll make that better. And maybe the code isn't brilliant or we need to go and amend it and add some more features to it later on. People are scared of doing that because they're over breaking it. So knowing you've got tests that will tell you whether you've broken something are invaluable. So it's very hard to get out of once you've started, you've started getting used to this way of working. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a conversation to have with, with sort of management, but I try to not let them detect me whether I could or couldn't. That's sort of part of sort of my role and, and how I would approach it personally. But that could be, yeah, it could be a, a tricky situation if it was sort of like, don't do that because we need the time or, or something, then it's maybe some, you know, maybe need to budget more or maybe need to estimate higher or something. There's probably some other issue for that. But similarly, I think once you deliver a project or you see a project, go through with with tests and fewer bugs and delivering things faster than the agency wouldn't want to do any other way either or, mm -hmm. or the company wouldn't want to do every other either and and i guess that also like with you know digital products and websites and digital applications there's maybe a higher tendency to go yeah just you know don't spend time writing tests and don't spend time on tests if it takes too long but then if, if you go to like developing something like i don't know a healthcare application or an mm -hmm. airplane landing system i i, I imagine <laughs> that, that yeah, in, that case, in that case you can't really afford to go oh yeah just don't spend time writing safety tests I mean, if mm -hmm. you do that, then, you know, in, in the latter case, people can literally die because the plane crashes <laughs> the system is not developed properly. So, yeah. This is true. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess yeah. If, if someone was built, like, say, if we were working on a commerce application, for example, I've done quite a lot of Drupal commerce applications. If that site was to go down, then the actual money value on that, because you're not selling products. And if the site is down for, you know, a day or a couple of hours and you've lost... X amount of pounds or dollars or whatever, you know, because that is down. If you'd have invested some of that time up front into writing things like tests, then that would have would have stopped that problem. So when you can sort of tie it to something that's actual like actual a number, then that's a bit easier. But yeah, for, for companies who or clients who maybe it's not maybe a transactional website, but if your website is down then you know first my myself day job is working for um for a transport company for uh, transport for wales so if the website is down people can't buy tickets from us so they'll go somewhere else and buy the tickets instead so you know they're not making the transaction on our side because that was um sort of the marketing side but yeah they'll just go elsewhere so you're still losing customers and revenue from from not having it there or if you're going and you know something isn't working potentially again that's still going to be a, a blocker and i think like I said earlier, like I was able to fix something that I found very quickly because I had a test that was that was failing. Every step takes longer and is more costs more, is more expensive to fix. So if I submit it for a pull request or, or for a code review, that takes longer to fix because I also got to include somebody else in the process as well. Stop what I was doing, go back to that and go through that again. Same thing if you go through like a, an internal QA testing scenario and then to the client. And then once it's on production, that's the the long the time it'll take the longest of the most impact. And also you know, who knows what else it's doing. Maybe it's generating vouchers for people with the wrong amount or you're gonna have to do some sort of remedial work then as well to undo the changes of the thing that and clean up the thing that that, that the bug has maybe done. So yeah, it's 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 that investment in time again. Uh, maybe a, a small investment to begin with compared to potentially longer to it. 
if it's again a site that's going to be there for three months and it's for a little marketing campaign that's different to a company or a client whose site is or the company's right on this website working for maybe three five ten years especially with um the way the drupal things work now the releases work so like eight to nine to ten to eleven like we're honestly upgrading some applications and code bases now across these major versions and add modules the override and options module is on the 8.x2.x branch which would this was the original drupal 8 branch but now it's drupal 9 and 10 compatible even though it's, it's 8 so yeah if it's a long-term but again you want that repeatability you want that comfort to know that it's working over a longer period of time so are there any cases uh, based on all this are there any cases where automated testing or tdd isn't the optimal approach if so why and what are those cases and what different approach would be more appropriate in those situations let's say i'm definitely thinking about this more as a like if i'm doing a project and there's a lot of custom code a lot of custom mm -hmm. functionality built being built into it. I want to make sure that works as I would expect and then to catch any regressions or any failures in that code. If we're not doing that, then yeah, maybe if you're building a Drupal site and you're a sort of Drupal site builder, you sort of fit in that persona uh, and you're just building maybe a, again, a small site, not even a small site, building a site by you know, installing extra modules and building content types in the UI, then you're not necessarily going to write those types of tests because you're not writing custom functionality. If you're adding a module like a web form, for example, to add that, that will come with its own tests. Presumably what the web form does, but not all of them do. But that you can assume is already tested elsewhere. So in that scenario, you could do still you could still do something like test you go to this page and it exists uh, there's there's tools and there's SaaS products to do that but you wouldn't be writing them as part of the development process because you're not doing a, a development process in the, the same sort of way you're not from the writing code to, to add the functionality there if you were doing maybe a, a say a small marketing website or something that's only going to be live for three months or something again then it comes down to is the time investment worth it for a short-term benefit for, for a project with if you're going to be working on a project for 12 months or, or more a you know, longer-term project that is definitely going to be worth it my work then any development work that i do as a consultant or thing i i do all fixed price work and i do uh bug free guarantee on everything so for me it's like if this if it comes back to me with a bug then i'll have to go and fix it anyway so it's in my interest to write the tests anyway but if it was going to be a a short term that I would be like, mm, then I'd think maybe about it. It, it really depends on the complexity of what, what we're building. But yeah, and anything you can need to work on over time, potentially, you know, change, maybe add more features to over time, then it's and maintain over time is definitely going to sort of need, or I would suggest with with, with need testing. So there's anything else. Yeah, if you if you're doing the, the clicking around, you're not going to need it because you say you're not writing writing code in that way. Modules would yeah, usually or, or definitely can come with their own tests included as part of it. That's probably the best thing I can think of, really. Things where you would we wouldn't want to use it. Yeah, there might be something you just don't need. You just don't need or want that confident for some reason. You know, as I said, timeline is the one that comes to mind, and maybe it's, it's a short-term project. But mm. that's only one I can. So, so maybe you are on a really, really, really tight deadline. This kind of thing has got to be done. This week or something, maybe maybe you do want to put it in, but yeah, that's that's a discussion on a per per situation basis, mm -hmm. I suppose. 
Well, but those are some great examples, right? Uh, You know, if we established earlier that, yes, automated testing will add a certain amount of time upfront that that needs to be, you know, that needs to be invested uh, into the development but then that will get uh, kind of balanced out with long-term time saved. But if you have a website, a marketing website, it's only live for three months, and then you you prolong the development of that by maybe one month because you you mm-hmm. want to do everything by the book and do pro- do it properly with automated testing in TDD, then mm-hmm. it's very logical to me how that might not make sense. And also mm-hmm. tying back to our point about uh, kind of the criticality of the code that you're testing. So probably a marketing um, a marketing one pager is less business critical than you know an mm-hmm. airplane landing system. So also from that <laughs> perspective, you probably don't need to invest that much time into testing, especially mm-hmm. if it's shorter lived. Yeah, it's about, that's one of Drupal's main advantages is that people who are non-coders can install it, can create content types, can create their own pages and listing pages and everything. So if you then went and said, oh, everything needs to be written in this way and, and with a test, uh, that's one of the advantages of using Drupal as a CMS rather than you know a framework or something that doesn't doesn't have that. In the workshop that I've done, I did it for, for London just before COVID and I did it online for uh, Drupal Camp NYC remotely uh, during all lockdowns and, and COVID and everything to go through the, like, the different types of tests that there are and whether you want to use one over the other and, and that type of thing. And then we start building, um, we did some, some Drupal chords as I said first, but then we start building a blog um, as part of like, it was something I could think of like what can people relate to. Like again, like you could do that in the way that like we were doing it in the course and you, know, you can make a custom route and we could create a controller and we could create a view we could do it very code we could do it the code way and write the tests for it or in that case i probably would just do it the drupal views way and just do it in the u in the ui you could you could export it and make it into a module if you wanted to but for something like that so there's other i try to think of examples but there's things you can go on oh, it's one use on a project for years i can't remember what it's called but you can sort of do it on the website. You can do tools on the website like Drupal can, where you can click around and you can build your content types. There are ones that you sort of say you click this and then this happens. So it sort of writes writes the test for you in a way, but they're more sort of high level, sort of functional feature tests. Like, does this page exist? Does it have this text on it? That type of test, rather than the page is gone or the page is erroring, which is yeah, that's one of the types of tests we can do in Drupal as well. But there's also like lower level functions like. We want to add two and two equals four, right? Then we could write a test for that as well. So if you're going to do it the the UI way and the site builder way, then you could probably use one of these other other tools to accomplish the same thing for, for that level because you don't need to get too too lower level for that. And the last thing that I wanted to discuss, and I feel that we need to discuss because it's it's one of the hardest things right now, is the use of generative AI tools in this context. Mm-hmm. I, I know that like like a lot of developers are using these tools to kind of to take care of these more tedious tasks in 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 mm-hmm. their in their roles. So so I'm guessing that uh, you know is is this something that generative AI can help with as well? So tools like GPT and Copilot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Possibly or, or yeah quite probably I, I think I seemed to remember at a conference earlier in the year and somebody had mentioned there's quite a lot of topics around the uh, AI and like ChatGPT in particular and other things. And I think it comes down to it can generate code for you and, and things, but someone needs to 
test it's right and somebody needs to verify it and go is it correct i did say i can't remember it was at the conference whether it was on twitter or somewhere and somebody had said you could use it to generate the tests which are the most it wasn't boring part it was some sort of word there but i'd say i'd say that's the part i wouldn't want it to do because <laughs> i wanted i want to make sure that the, the tests are correct and testing the right thing you wouldn't necessarily want to just have a test suite that passes to begin with, like out of, like straight away, because you don't really know there what it's what it's testing or not testing. Important part of doing test driven development is seeing the failure first, then seeing it pass, and then being able to make it fail when you want to. So you know it's not just passing by accident, essentially. Whereas if you've got just this generated test suite of things, then yeah, that, it might not be that great. If you do sort of like unit testing, promoting this this concept of mocking. Um, so you could be in a situation where you mock something rather than use the real thing, and then just testing the mock. I've done that myself, quite, and I've just gone. I'm not actually testing anything of value. I'm just testing the mock that I did. So something, yeah, somebody ideally, somebody uh, should be able to review that, like get it to generate tests for you if you wanted to. But you still need to verify that they're right. They're testing the right thing, and then maybe can you make it fail by making a page unpublished that was published like does it fail and when you expect it to i tend to use it as a yeah where it needed to but sometimes it just generates things for me and then goes that doesn't exist and i go <laughs> and it goes oh yes i'm sorry about that <laughs> so uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's a good idea i think and it can be a, a i think it's still key to yeah know it's testing the right thing and to understand what it's generating and not just completely taking it face value the best of developer thing i think is like people copying and pasting stack overflow or drupal.org or it's just like fine but then if it works then great then take that extra time and learn and understand what it's doing and try to learn from that i would just copy and paste copy and blindly paste things in that's the concern for people i guess from a developer perspective like is, is somebody just going to Go into chat gpt and say build me an app that does this and it's going to give you all the code like i wouldn't uh wouldn't take that at face value. You still want somebody to, to know it's testing the right thing. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of great points. I love the point about people going, oh yeah, we'll just have a GPT or this AI tool. We'll have that write our test. But as, as you pointed out, this is exactly what you shouldn't do because, you know, because everything that AI produces basically needs to be tested by a human. So if you just wrote mm -hmm. tests uh, with the help of AI, a developer would also need to invest time into like checking them mm -hmm. and testing the test. You know, it's a case of who watches the watchman kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So... This, is, yeah, this is very true. And yeah, it also depends as well, like how even if you generate tests for you that were brilliant and that worked perfectly, like they might not be the most rich. Another benefit of, of having these tests is that they're there as documentation for other people. Mm. So if I'm a developer and I want to see how this thing works, I can go into the test and go, okay, well, I need a node of this type and I need to then do this with it, et cetera, et cetera. Like if, it, if an AI tool has generated that, it might not be the most easiest to read or follow compared to somebody you know who wrote the feature, who, who wrote it at the time. So yeah, sure, but that, that's one of the other big benefits as well we hadn't, we hadn't mentioned. Well, Oliver, thank you so much for joining us today and, and for sharing your expertise with our more business-oriented listeners. Before we wrap up the conversation, if listeners would like to reach out to you, connect with you, or learn more about you, where would you point them to? My website is probably the best place. It's oliverdavis.uk, D-A-V-I-E-S.uk. That's where things like my daily email list is. 
products and things about i'm doing a um, email course a, a free seven day email course on introduction to what testing and uh, to help people get get started with it do a talk at DrupalCon Lille next week on ultimate testing and TDD. So the slides and the videos, I think, will be there as well. There's some links to things like my Twitter account and everything uh, on there. That's sort of the hub for where everything sort of sort of lives. Um, but the OP Davis online, Drupal.org, and pretty easy to find for the most part, I think. <laughs> uh, and yeah, always happy to hang it in the, in the Drupal Slack as well. So there's, there's testing channels in the Drupal Slack. So I'm uh, definitely, definitely around the community as well. Well, thanks again, Oliver. As I said, we were very happy to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And well to our listeners. That's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes, and don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.